You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. This is episode five of the show, and I'm recording this Monday evening on July 19th, 2023. So as always, welcome into the show. My name is Matt Anderson, and I am your host for all things Gamecock After Dark. As always, you can reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com, or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. So thank you guys again for joining me tonight. Tonight, we're going to have a recap of official visitors from June with an eye towards the big official visit weekend coming up this weekend. We're going to talk about the Gamecock baseball team losing pitching coach Justin Parker to Mississippi State. We'll talk about the hiring of new pitching coach Matt Williams from Liberty. And we're going to touch on a bit of baseball transfer talk. And at the end of the show, I'm going to take some questions that have come in so far to the show. So, as always, you can send me questions at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on the Big Spur message board under the username Matt Anderson. But with all of that out of the way, let's get on to the show. So I want to start off the show tonight to let you know that this will probably be a little bit shorter of an episode. Um, unfortunately, outside of Gamecock baseball, having some things happen and, and recapping some official visits and you know the weekend coming up, just not a lot happened over the weekend. So I don't want to talk about things that you might not find interesting or just keep the show going for you know, 50 minutes when there's not 50 minutes of things to talk about. But again, I just let you know that, you know, the more questions that you can send me, the longer these shows will be. And if I can't get to a question right away, you know, I'll definitely save it and we'll come back to it, you know, maybe at a more relevant time for the question or, um, you know, hopefully I can get to them all in a given episode. We'll probably have some, some Q and a episodes here coming up soon, but the big news of the day is the Gamecocks lost starting, they, they, well, not their starting pitcher. Um, the guy that coaches their starting pitchers. Um, Gamecocks lost pitching coach Justin Parker today to Mississippi State. I want to say this first, but Coach Kingston did not want to lose Justin Parker to Mississippi State. I think that in the grand scheme of things, maybe there wasn't the commitment that other SEC programs are putting forward on the baseball team. And I don't know all the specifics, but what I can tell you is that Justin Parker did not want to leave South Carolina. He would have been completely happy staying in South Carolina. His son was born in Columbia. His wife was happy. They They had put down roots in Columbia. And really what happened was Mississippi State gave an offer that the Parker family could just not say no to. Even after coming back to the table and, you know, looking at salaries and and commitment time frame for, you know, how long that salary would last, Mississippi State just put a package together that the Gamecocks chose not to compete with. So one of the things that my colleague John Whittle says all the time is whenever there's a coaching search, whether it's an assistant coaching search or a head coaching search, you know, the incumbent team or program should never let their assistant coach or head coach get on the plane to go look at another campus. And and that's what happened with Justin Parker. Uh, he went on a visit to Mississippi State. I keep talking about visits like they're recruiting prospects, but Justin Parker was getting recruited to Mississippi State. And at the end of the day, he, he went to Starkville. It's not where I would choose to live, but I, I totally understand, you know, the financial commitment that Mississippi State was ready to make for him. 
So Justin Parker's gone. We'll see what happens with the Gamecock pitching staff. And in this world of transfer portal and, and name, image, and likeness and opportunities that are available to these kids, we'll see if we, if the Gamecocks lose any of their their players that are pitchers. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer to that right now. I'll have a little bit about that a little bit later on, but I do want to say that the hiring of Matt Williams from Liberty, this is, in the eyes of public opinion, it, it's a bad look for South Carolina to lose an elite pitching coach who he finished second in team ERA in you know this year for the SEC and and you know that wasn't an SEC play and SEC play I think he was fifth or sixth in ERA for you know team pitching ERA but you know South Carolina they they had a great season and you know to be the number two ERA squad you know in the SEC over the course of the entire season there's no way to say that this wasn't a loss but what I will say is that before Justin Parker was hired in South Carolina. Um, Coach Kingston had zeroed in on Liberty's pitching coach, and his name is Matt Williams. So, you know, like you guys, I probably didn't know a lot about Matt Williams before today, but um, Matt Williams comes from a, a baseball family. He's a he's a younger guy, but he he might, he doesn't he he has the the age and the pedigree that that say he's been doing this for a while because he's been coaching for 18 years at either the junior college, the professional ranks, or the co- or the college level at Liberty. But he's got a young face. Um, he's a he's a guy that's supposed to be a relentless recruiter. He has a lot of connections in the state of South Carolina. And I should say before I talk too much about Matt Williams that you know assistant head coach Monty Lee did turn down the opportunity to be the Cincinnati head coach for the for their baseball program. So all is not lost in Gamecockville. You know, Monty Lee's just decided to stick around. I can only assume that there will be a a new contract for Monty Lee. I think that there will be a um, number of years on that contract instead of year to year to year like it's been so far. So the Gamecocks are making a commitment to the baseball program, but it's just a it's a black eye on the program to lose a guy like Justin Parker. But Let's talk about Matt Williams. Um, Matt Williams comes from a baseball family. His dad was a pitching coach for a number of years. He's been a pitching coach for 18, well, 19 years now. So I, I kind of summarized, you know, what Matt Williams, what his biography was on the Liberty Flames website. So I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. Um, it's my words, not, you know, not the Liberty guy's words. So um, we're just going to go from there. So, Pitching coach Matt Williams. Um, this is all obviously from twenty before this season started, so through twenty twenty two. He was in his eighteenth year overall of coaching and his fourth at Liberty, so that would be nineteen and fifth year at Liberty. And they say he significantly enhanced the performance of the team's pitchers with thirty five of them signing professional contracts and five reaching the major leagues. So anytime you have a guy that's put thirty five pitchers in his time at Liberty in professional baseball and, and five of them reaching the major leagues. That's, that's pretty impressive. In 2022 under coach Williams, Liberty achieved its third consecutive selection to an NCAA regional, which was a first for Liberty. Um, the team had a 37 and 23 record, won the ASUN conference. Um, they won the East division into the year with a 15th national rank in strikeouts per nine innings setting a new school record with 620 strikeouts. So, 
you know, just off the cuff here, one of the things I think about is, you know, while the Gamecocks had an elite ERA, it, it wasn't always the overpowering stuff you might have seen Gamecock batters swing and miss at. You know, the Gamecocks might be taking a little bit of the professional ranks here in their in their batting approach, you know, kind of kind of trying to hit extra base hits every time they can. So, you know, it's going to be nice to see a, a pitching coach that emphasizes strikeouts. Strikeouts are the best type of out in baseball. So, you know, maybe we'll see some changes here from the Gamecocks, you know, from their batters, and we'll see what kind of a different approach at the plate. But Matt Williams' success in 22 was built upon his impactful work in his first full season with the Flames in 2021. Um, it proved to be one of the most successful in Liberty baseball history. The Flames secured an instantly at-large bid. So, yeah, that's pretty cool for these teams from the A-Sun to, to get an at-large bid and not have to, you know, rely on their conference championship to get there. But one of the cool things was in 2021, let's see. Let me make sure I get this right for you guys. Yeah, so in 2022, the Liberty Flames started 2-5. and five. However, they did not lose consecutive games the rest of the season. So a lot of times you see, you know, the Gamecocks kind of go in a funk and, you know, they might get swept. They might lose two out of three, you know, back-to-back losses. So it's pretty pretty encouraging to see a pitching staff that did not allow consecutive losses after that start. The team also ranked highly in several several national categories, including being fifth in runs allowed per game and 12th in ERA in the country. That's a big feather in the cap for Coach Williams. In 2021, left-handed pitcher Trevor Delot, Delight, Deloitte, nah, you tell me how to pronounce that last name, um, became the first pitcher in program history to earn All-American honors, and he was named National Pitcher of the Year finalist. A-Sun Freshman of the Year Trey Gibson also received na- national recognition. And then in July, the Chicago White Sox selected left-handed pitcher Frazier Ellard in the eighth round of the 2021 Major League Baseball draft. Before joining Liberty, Coach Williams held roles with the San Diego Padres and UNC Wilmington, where he guided 17 pitchers to be selected at the MLB draft. Furthermore, during his eight-year stint as pitching coach and recruiting coordinator at Junior College Power Spartanburg Methodist, William helped 34 pitchers advance to play at the Division One level. So, all in all, we're getting we're getting a guy that that knows how to coach pitching. We're getting a guy that that knows how to recruit. I mean, obviously being in Liberty, Liberty's in Virginia for those of you that don't know, but you know, he has ties to South Carolina. I think he played high school baseball at Lancaster. Um, He's been around the state for a while. And, and, you know, my colleague, John Whittle has said between Monty Lee and Matt Williams, there are, there are not two better coaches equipped to recruit South Carolina for the Gamecocks. So, we always talk about the, the transfer portal and, and, you know, what happens, you know, year over year now. But it really does start at that kind of grassroots level, you know, making sure that you're at the AAU tournaments, you're at the travel ball schedule, you're getting the elite high school players in South Carolina to come be a Gamecock. And between Monty Lee and Coach Williams, I don't know if we could have had – if we could have a better one-two punch there. So – on to baseball recruiting, and recruiting right now is basically the transfer transfer portal. The big three players in the portal right now that the Gamecocks are going after are outfielder Kennedy Jones, infielder Billy Amick, and infielder Colby Shelton. Um, Kennedy Jones is a guy that everybody in the country is after. Um, he 
hits for hits for average. He steals bases. I mean, he is your quintessential, you know, kind of five tool player. Billy Amick, you guys might know from Clemson. Um, he hit 400 this year. Had a handful of home runs. Um, just a, a guy that can hit the ball to all areas of the field. And then Colby Shelton, you guys, you, you've heard me talk about him before, but. You know, he was a freshman in Alabama, hit 25 home runs, 50-plus RBIs his, his first season in the SEC. So those are the big names, and I know that the Gamecocks are in the thick of it for all three of them. I think Kenny Jones is going to be a tough pull. I think Billy Amick. Billy Amick's a kid that has a lot of ties to Clemson. Obviously, he played at Clemson last year. His grandfather was on the board at Clemson for a number of years. Uh, he's a He's a tiger through and through. I've heard rumors that he's going to end up at Florida. I've heard some crazy rumors about name, image, and likeness deals that he might have. And I don't want to get into the specifics of about how much money that is out of respect for the player and the program that is, you know, recruiting right now and one of those programs being the Gamecocks. So I don't want to talk about money there, but he's a kid that would be a great addition to the Gamecock baseball team. Uh, Colby Shelton, we talked about him last episode. He has a lot of ties to the Gamecocks. He was recruited to Monty Lee when Monty was still the head coach at Clemson. He's known Ethan Petry for a number of years. They played travel baseball together, batted back-to-back in the lineup. And his family lives in Lexington. His his sister is committed to the Gamecocks softball program. But at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, you know, when you're talking about these three players, I think a lot of it is going to come down to NIL, you know, what kind of packages that the teams can put together to, to help these kids. Um, you know, because Major League Baseball is not a guarantee. There are a lot of guys that spend a lot of time on buses traveling from, you know, Podunk, Iowa town to, you know, all over the United States. So, you know, there's no guarantee in baseball. So one of the things that JC's doing right now with, with Carolina Rise is, is really prioritizing baseball because these are guys that, you know, they might not make the million-dollar contract. I mean, I, I know you see these guys that, you know, are top 10-round picks that are, you know, getting signed for a couple hundred thousand dollars in signing bonus. But a lot of times that's it for these guys. So the baseball players especially have to look at, you know, what's best for their their short-term and long-term future. They want to play under the lights. They want to play in big games. They want to have opportunities to win the College World Series, you know, playing Super Regionals, win their conference. So, We'll see what happens there, but those are the big three. Again, that's Kennedy Jones, Billy Amick, and Colby Shelton. I hope the Gamecocks can get at least one out of those three, but but right now it's just too close to call. Gamecocks did pick up a commitment from Ty Good, who was a pitcher at the College of Charleston, and he was this past year's CAA's Pitcher of the Year. So that's the conference he played in, the Colonial Athletic Association. Over his career, he put up a record of 25-14, and 14, with a 3.79 ERA, a 1.23 whip, and a 2.49 career strikeout-to-walk ratio. If you guys didn't listen to the Super Regional preview, I talked a little about whip, and anything below a 1.3 is considered you know, above average. So a career 1.23 whip is excellent numbers. Obviously, a 3.79 ERA are excellent numbers, and you know, essentially a 2.5 career strikeout-to-walk ratio, that, that's, that's top-notch. In three games this year against Virginia Tech, Michigan State, and UNC Wilmington, um, Ty won each of the contests. He gave up just four earned runs and 17 combined innings of work. So this is a guy that, 
that's probably not going to be a Friday night starter in the SEC, but definitely a Saturday or Sunday night starter. So when you start looking at that rotation for next year for the Gamecocks and and what we can expect, I think you're going to see Ty Good represent one of those three starting spots. Other transfers the Gamecocks have added so far include Charlotte outfielder Blake Johnson, North Florida outfielder Austin Brindley, and um, Liberty pitcher Garrett Ganey. So what I can tell you right now about these guys, um, obviously Coach Kingston saw Charlotte outfielder Blake Jackson and North Florida outfielder Austin Brindley in person. Um, The Gamecocks unfortunately lost to Charlotte and North Florida this year. So I think any time a coach is able to scout somebody in person, kind of get a feel for them, you know, it's a good sign. So I don't know if these guys are going to be everyday starters for the Gamecocks. I don't know if they're going to be a platoon in the outfield. I don't know where they're going to fit in the in the batting order. But anytime that you can get guys that you've seen in person and you kind of know what you're getting from them, that's a good start. So Blake Jackson and Austin Brindling, Brindley? Brindling? <laughs> you guys tell me. And then um, Liberty pitcher Garrett Ganey. From what I've heard about Garrett Ganey, he's going to be more of a situational pitcher. Um, you know, come in, maybe you know, pitch an inning, pitch to one guy in particular. But those guys are really important when you think about putting together a roster that can compete because sometimes you just got to get a guy that can go get an out. And we'll see if Garrett Ganey can do that for the Gamecocks. Right now, if my if my math's right, I have the Gamecocks at four incoming transfers, and they'll take as many as ten new players from the transfer portal. So we're looking at maybe another six guys coming in. The big three we talked about earlier, and I'll name them again: Kennedy Jones, Billy Amick, and Colby Shelton. Those are guys that you make room for on your roster. However, you can get them. Another name to keep an eye on is Central Connecticut State pitcher Dominic Neiman. Um, Dominic Neiman entered the transfer portal here recently. He's a lefty, and if you guys watched the regional this past year, um, he he thoroughly dominated Campbell. He's a guy that, you know, for Central Connecticut State, he was their ace, a left-handed pitcher, and he was the the main reason they were able to make it to the regional in Columbia. I think he pitched... I want to say he threw 200 pitches combined in their conference tournament. So obviously what you're looking at there is a guy that's a grinder. Um, he, he showed shutdown stuff. Anytime you can get a left-handed pitcher, you, you really want to. So we'll see if the Gamecocks can get in the mix here. Um, I know that he's been receptive to the Gamecocks so far, but when you're a left-handed pitcher with his track record, he's going to have every opportunity in the world to go pretty much anywhere he wants. So let's hope that he wants to make Columbia his home. As far as Gamecock players potentially leaving the team, there is some chatter about pitcher Eli Jones. I don't know for sure that he's out the door, but there's enough chatter that I thought I should let you guys know. I don't know what he's going to do. The coaches of South Carolina are going to do everything in their power to keep him in the fold as he's a potential weekend starter for the Gamecocks next year. I don't, I don't know if he wants to leave, but as I talked about earlier, you know this this era of name, image, likeness, this era of free transfers. It's just a, it's a different, it's a different recruiting mindset. I think I heard Stuart Lake talk about on, you know, JC, JB, and Phil's show that, you know, this is the 
the time of the year when college baseball coaches used to kind of relax. You know, they had their players that were going to be eligible for the Major League Baseball draft. They had their recruiting class pretty tied up. It was more going to tournaments and, and looking at underclassmen, getting your scout in for them. But nowadays, coaches not only have to recruit out of the transfer portal, but they also have to recruit their players in the transfer portal. So Eli Jones is not in there yet, but you never know when a player could pop. So if you're a Gamecock, cross your fingers that Eli Jones ends up sticking with the Gamecocks. Really quick, y'all, I want to give a big shout-out to the Big Spur. Um, I'm not sure how many of my listeners are a member of the Big Spur, but they have some great promotions running right now. Um, There is no way in two hours a week I can tell you everything that's on the Big Spur. And and honestly, I'm not going to tell you everything on the Big Spur because, you know, John Whittle, Hamill Granahan, J.C. Sherbert, Alex Jones, Tony Morrell, um, that's where they put their scoop. So... Make sure if you haven't joined the Big Spur, you go ahead and get into the fold. I think this is going to be a really exciting Gamecock football season. I think basketball is on the up and up. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be an NCAA tournament team this year, but there's, there's enough there to, to make things interesting. And then obviously with Gamecock baseball and the success that we had this year in South Carolina, Gamecock, Gamecock baseball is 365 days out of the year, and you're not going to find a better person to give you Gamecock baseball scoop than John Whittle. Um, For my money, John Whittle is the best media member for college baseball, and especially South Carolina and the entire country. So make sure if you haven't yet, you join the Big Spur, pop on the message board, tell me you're there, love to hang out with you and, and chat with you. Um, another thing I'm going to mention really quickly is Carolina Rise. If you would like to join that, um, I recommend that you do the 1801 Club. It's $18.01 per month. I'm the last person to tell anybody what to do with their money, but I can promise you that if you decide to join Carolina Rise, you'll get some cool swag from JC. Um, you know, I've gotten some stuff in the past, some cool tumblers, some beanies. Um, he's got T-shirts out there and. Anytime you buy something from Carolina Rise, you know it goes right to the Gamecock athletes. So take advantage of that. Um, looking here, I haven't updated it, but I know that as of Sunday, the Gamecocks were up to number 11 in the country in the college football recruiting team rankings. I'm going to pull that up really quick and see where we are now. So the Gamecocks have actually dropped to 16. So that just means that there have been some more commitments across the country. But the Gamecocks did secure a commitment from three-star linebacker Fred Johnson. He committed to the Gamecocks this past weekend. Johnson's been a heavy lean to the Gamecocks since at least his official visit. In my mind, it was just a matter of time before he hopped in the boat. Johnson's a physical linebacker that the Gamecocks staff really coveted. He has all the measurables that you could ask for, and I really do believe he's going to be a four-star linebacker soon in the rankings. You can never go wrong taking a kid like Johnson. He's he's definitely a bit under the radar now, so good on Coach Beamer and staff for, for getting the job done with him early and, and getting him into the fold. Another guy, um, four-star wide receiver Parker, Parker Livingstone, he has an announcement scheduled for July 1st. Livingstone had just an absolutely fantastic official visit to the Gamecocks. He was in for the baseball regional weekend. The Gamecocks are going to have to survive this upcoming weekend's official visit at Texas. 
But as of today, and I stress that, as of today, I feel comfortable telling you that the Gamecocks should be considered his leader. He's a big athletic wide receiver from Texas, um, staying six foot three, 185 pounds. Um, he has a good relationship with Dante Reno. And anytime you have that wide receiver quarterback relationship in recruiting, it, it does work wonders. Same thing with um, Keelan Adams, who I think is also a Gamecock lean. I think the Gamecocks are going to take three, four, probably three wide receivers, maybe four in this recruiting class. And obviously they already have Mazio Bennett in the fold. I think Keelan Adams is a guy that's going to be in the fold sooner rather than later. And, and we'll see what happens with Livingstone, but we just got to get through that Texas visit. It's tough for a Texas kid to, to say no to Texas. Four-star top 250 prospect Nasir Johnson, a defensive tackle out of Dublin Johnson. He's a kid that had a great official visit to South Carolina. He did end up committing to Florida on an official visit this past weekend. What I can tell you about Johnson is that multiple sources that I spoke to thought the Gamecocks had made up enough ground to, to possibly secure an eventual commitment from him. JC has reported that Florida was always a team that Johnson liked a lot. Um, with him giving the Gators a commitment, it wasn't totally surprising. However, I had heard enough about after his official visit that I didn't see a commitment imminent to Florida. We'll see what happens with him over the course of the season, but I don't think the Gamecocks are going to stop recruiting Nasir Johnson. I Obviously, you know, Florida's used their official. South Carolina's used their official. It's going to have to be unofficial visits to get him back to campus. But one thing to keep in mind is the Gamecocks do host Florida this year, um, this season. So maybe the Gamecocks get him back um, for an unofficial visit for a, for a game day. And, and you never know what's going to happen leading up to early signing period, late signing period. We'll see you know, how firm he is to Florida throughout the process. Three-star cornerback Chasen Johnson also gave an official visit to South Carolina, and he committed to Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. He was a player that the Gamecocks, they weren't really, really pushing for. Um, and I think that Chasen Johnson is going to be a great player. I, I told you guys, maybe it was my first episode, that Chasen Johnson is the prototypical guy that you see Torian Gray just mold into, you know, a Darius Rush type type cornerback. So we'll see what happens the senior year with him. We'll see how, how sticky this commitment is to Pittsburgh. I know that he liked the Gamecock visit. I wouldn't say he had the best visit to South Carolina, and that's nothing on the coaches, um, more just on what his expectations were and what he was looking for. But South Carolina is now in the position where they're going to be able to overcome a commitment to a lower-level ACC school, a lower-level Big Ten school, a Big East school. Um, so I, I do think that if they want to make a push for Chasen, they can – probably grab him if they want it, but at this juncture, we just have to see if they'll push. I don't know what's going to happen with three-star defensive tackle Denas Johnson. Denas Johnson, he had a he had a decent visit to South Carolina, but he's not a guy that seems to be in a hurry to make a commitment. I don't know how hard the Gamecocks are currently pushing, but he is a guy that, that I don't think the Gamecocks have to push for. Um, We'll see what happens with their defensive tackle recruiting. We'll see where the Gamecocks end up, but I don't know if they're going to push for him. He's a nice prospect, really, really big kid, strong kid, but he's not in a hurry to make a decision. I just don't know if the Gamecocks are going to be able to wait him out. I still feel good about the Gamecock position with defensive back Kaj Sanders. 
Cad Sanders, Cag, Cash, Cash, Cash Sanders. <laughs> He's a three-star top 400 player out of New Jersey. The Gamecocks had a good official visit. It was one of those things where it was kind of like 50-50 on you know which way he would go. But the Gamecocks are probably in his top two, top three, if not outright leader. I think South Carolina is going to run the race with Braylon Russell. He's a four-star running back. Um, Braylon Russell was previously committed to Arkansas. He backed off that pledge. He's got a good relationship with Dowell Loggins, known Dowell since he was you know, a sophomore in high school. I think the Gamecocks are on commitment watch right now with Matthew Fuller and Daniel Hill. Matthew Fuller is a three-star kid. Um, talked about him last podcast. Plays a linebacker and running back. Got a defensive background. Just an absolute thumper that can really move. And Daniel Hill is one of those electric players with the ball in his hands. Um, Daniel did take an official visit to Alabama over the weekend. But I still like the Gamecocks' chances. Um, Braylon Russell, like I said, four-star, top 300 running back out of Arkansas. I think the Gamecocks are going to run the race because we just know how bare the Gamecocks' running room is currently, or running back room is currently. So we'll we'll see what the Gamecocks do with Braylon Russell. Um, it might just be one of those things where he wants to go and make a commitment and the Gamecocks feel good about Matthew Fuller and Daniel Hill and, and not ready to accept one and upset the apple cart. But... Yeah, keep an eye on on Braylon Russell. So a guy I feel like the Gamecocks are definitely in the top two for is four-star defensive back Jalewis Solomon. That is going to be a Gamecock and Florida State battle for him. Remember, he has a younger brother who's a five-star linebacker in next year's class. Um, You know, Solomon left the Gamecocks saying that the Gamecocks were his number one team, but he still had love for Florida State. You know, I don't know what's going to happen there. It's one of those, you know, flip a coin. Let's see what happens with Florida State. Florida State is um, obviously a, a program with a with a, a lot of tradition and a program that that gets recruits' attention. But let's see if we can get you Lewis Solomon back on campus. We'll have to survive that Florida State official visit. But as of right now, whenever you have a guy that's publicly naming you as your leader, you have to feel good about where you're standing. Uh, three star. Um, defensive back Caleb Harris, three-star defensive tackle Nanamadi Ojaboko, um, three-star defensive end Quintavious Johnson, four-star athlete Cameron McKell, four-star defensive end Dee Holmes, and four-star safety Malcolm Ziegler. In my mind, these guys all kind of fall into that spot where the Gamecocks are are in their maybe top top two, top three to top five. Uh, I think that you could see a couple of these guys fall in July. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Gamecocks land at least three of them, maybe four of them. Of these guys, I feel best about Caleb Harris, Namadi Okajiboko, Quintavious Johnson, and Didi Holmes. So you know, you're looking at those four guys. I think will eventually be Gamecocks. But you know, all those June 9th official visitors had really, really good visits. So. It's one of those things with momentum, and you know maybe you see the Gamecocks grab some commitments this upcoming weekend. I've already told you that July is going to be a big flurry of commitments for the Gamecocks. That's that's just the way that I feel about it. Um, so we'll see how how tight how tight those numbers get on scholarships and you know this recruiting class, and we'll see what happens with them. But I, I do think that you're going to see um, a number of those guys hop in the boat. Um, really quick, four-star top 100 player Liam Andrews. He did visit over the weekend. 
He's currently ranked as an offensive lineman, but he wants to play defense in college. The Gamecocks are recruiting him as a defensive lineman, and while I haven't heard anything specific other than he had a really good visit, it's just something to monitor. The visit came together quickly on Father's Day weekend. The coaches were not scheduled to have an official visitor over the weekend, and and Liam decided that he wanted to come and and it worked out well because you know he kind of got the VIP treatment as the only you know official visitor on campus. Obviously, Coach Beamer and staff have had had a bunch of Gamecock football camps, you know, with um, seven on seven camps with you know different high schools coming in, um, individual position camps. So the Gamecock coaches were on were on site this week for a lot of different reasons. But we'll see what happens with Liam Andrews. I know he's a guy that you know, put something out on Facebook or social media saying, I think it was Twitter. Yeah, guys, I don't, I don't tweet that much, but he put something out on Twitter saying, you know, Gamecock fans show me love. So if you're someone that loves social media, go out there, give Liam Andrews some love. I mean, anytime you get a top 100 player, regardless of which position he wants to play, you know, you go ahead and and you try and make him a priority. We're going to talk more about the upcoming official visit slate for this weekend on Thursday night, but here I want to give you the list of players expected to visit this weekend. As far as uncommitted players, you have five-star defensive end Dylan Stewart. We've talked a lot about Dylan Stewart. He He would potentially be the crown jewel of any recruiting class in the country right now, but especially for South Carolina, kind of keeping that Maryland DMV New Jersey kind of pipeline coming down the coming down the pipe. Um, so Dylan Stewart's going to be a big player to be to be on campus this weekend. Four star athlete who the Gamecocks are recruiting as a wide receiver, Jonathan Paler. Four star running back Daniel Hill and three star defensive back David Bucky. I think Bucky or Bucci. Um, I heard JC say it somewhere. Maybe I was talking to him, but Bucci, Bucky, Buki. I, I'm really not sure, but. He's um, listed as a linebacker in the recruiting rankings, but he's going to end up playing secondary probably for the Gamecocks. I don't think the Gamecocks could be in a better position for Jonathan Paler, Daniel Hill, and David Boosie, Buki. Um, really like where the Gamecocks stand. And as I told you last episode, until somebody tells me that Dylan Stewart is not going to be a Gamecock, I feel very, very good about the Gamecocks standing with Dylan Stewart. Obviously, it's a long race to run. He's going to be an early enrollee wherever he goes, so a decision's not going to be, you know, dragged out too too long. But it might be one of those early signing day ESPN decisions where he has a couple hats on the table. But feel really good about Dylan Stewart right now. So those four guys are going to be joined by current Gamecock commitments: four-star offensive tackle Cam Pringle, four-star offensive tackle Josiah Thompson. Four-star linebacker Wendell Gregory, four-star wide receiver Mazio Bennett, four-star safety Kelvin Hunter, four-star cornerback Braden Lee, and four-star quarterback Dante Reno. So, you know, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven four-stars are going to be on campus this weekend, and that represents um, one of the best recruiting classes of the country, which the Gamecocks have. And then lastly, three-star offensive lineman Blake Franks, who's a teammate of Mazio Bennett, and for my money is also a four star. So you look at those offensive linemen with Blake Franks, Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, um, already have your four star quarterback, four star wide receiver. The Gamecocks really are building, building the Great Wall of Columbia with stacking offensive line talent on offensive line talent. So 
really excited for the Gamecock coaches to have an opportunity to to sell the program to these guys. Um, the the future is bright for Gamecock recruiting. I've never seen the Gamecocks recruit like they're doing right now, and and Shane Beamer's been very successful so far in his tenure as the Gamecocks head coach. All right, that was a that was a rundown. Um, my throat's getting a little dry here, so I'm gonna gonna finish this episode out. Um, I did get a couple a couple questions. So Jerry asked me, "Can you give me the best player from each position group um, and a guy that is under the radar now that has a chance at the NFL either next year or over the course of their career?" So, so obviously Jerry's talking about Gamecock football players. Um, if you start at the quarterback position, I think obviously the best player is Spencer Rattler. I don't think there's a throw on the football field that Spencer can't make. Um, it's all about just processing what's in front of him with Spencer. It's it's one of those things where the least compli- the, the less complicated you can make, you know, the play calls, the better. It's not that he can't process what a defender's doing. It's not that. It's just the it's the pre-snap stuff. It's the stuff where you know you have seven different audibles out of a formation. You have 38 formations to worry about. And I think that was a lot of Spencer's issues last year with um, the offensive coordinator who shall not be named. So obviously Spencer Rattler is the best player at the quarterback position. Under the radar players, I mean, I don't know if it's possible to say Lenore Sellers is underrated at this point. Um, If you're somebody that's not on the big spur, you're somebody that's you know, just kind of follows the Gamecocks during the football season, maybe looks at the recruiting rankings and, you know, from time to time. You know, Lenore Sellers isn't going to be a guy that just stands out to you as just, oh, my gosh, you know, based on his recruiting ranking. But I can tell you right now that the Gamecock coaching staff feels like they might have gotten the best quarterback recruit over the past couple of years in the country. And that, that's not something to to take away from, you know, former five-star Quarterbacks, nothing to take away from a guy like Gunnar Stockton, who was a five star the Gamecocks had committed that eventually ended up at Georgia. But Lenore Sellers is now up to 244 pounds. He's running 22 miles per hour. He's squatting five, 600 pounds. He throws lasers. He's just built like a brick house. So I don't think we can really say Lenore Sellers is underrated anymore. But if I had to go to an under the radar quarterback, I think it's Tanner Bailey. Um, before Lenore Sellers came on the scene, everybody was talking about Tanner Tanner Bailey. You want to talk about an accurate quarterback, can see the field, has the arm strength. The Gamecocks have an embarrassment of riches right now in the quarterback room, and we'll see how it shakes out over the next couple of years. But obviously Spencer is going to play this year. He still has one more year of eligibility after this, but I have every belief that he's going to go into the professional ranks after this season. And then you have Lenore Sellers and Tanner Bailey battling it out for the starting quarterback next year. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to disparage either player. I think that both players are are elite, elite quarterbacks. And then you obviously have Dante Reno coming in. You know, son of a head football coach. Um, his dad's the coach at Yale or Harvard, one of the two. So, you know, quarterback room's looking pretty good. <laughs> it's looking good. Running back, I'm going to say the best player on the team right now is Juju McDowell, and that's just simply because Juju has shown that, you know, as a running back, he can get out wide, he can make people miss. Um, 
you know, you have these kind of like zone running schemes that allow him to get in space and get to top gear pretty quickly. But he's also an exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield. My under the radar player for the running back position is going to be Mario Anderson. Look, he's coming from Newberry, but he's he's just built differently. He's a really strong player. I think that if the game slows down for him, he's going to be that bruiser that Gamecocks need. I mean, almost like a, like a Brandon Wilds a little bit. I don't think he has the top gear or the shiftiness necessarily that Mike Davis had a number of years ago under Spurrier. But Mario Anderson's a good player. He's um, a strong player. He's really excelled in the weight room. And I've had a couple people tell me that if you – if you put Marshawn Lloyd's jersey on Mario Anderson, they'd look pretty similar, and they, they play a similar style. So under the radar player Mario Anderson, I hope I hope the absolute best for um, – <clears throat> gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. I'll, for DeCarion Joyner. <laughs> wow. Sorry about that, DeCarion. I love you, man. You're, you're an awesome, awesome player, and I'm so excited you're still a Gamecock. But the Gamecocks are going to see what happens in running back. Um, best player, Juju, under the radar, Mario Anderson. And don't sleep on Dontavious Braswell. He's another guy that can absolutely fly. He's a fast player, and you might not have known that. Wide receiver, uh, he goes without saying that the best player on the team is Juice Wells. Um, he he might be pound for pound the best player on the entire team. He's a, just a tenacious tenacious competitor, heck of an athlete, can high point the ball, can make people miss with the ball in his hands, can run past people. He's really, really good. Um, Eddie Lewis is going to be under the radar. A lot of people might not know about Eddie Lewis. He's a transfer coming from Memphis. He's a shifty slot wide receiver that the Gamecocks have really missed out on lately. I mean, six foot, 185 pounds. He's got plenty of size. Um, honorable mention here is our Amarion Brown. I think Amarion's going to have kind of like a Demir Bird light season. It's a Demir Bird, but light. Um, he can fly. I think he's going to get loose for some wheel routes this year, maybe to take some in or in arounds. I don't think he's going to be like a 700, 600-yard wide receiver, but he could pop off for you know three or four touchdowns. Tight end, you know Trey Knox, um, definitely the best player on the team, the most accomplished player on the team at the tight end position. But Joshua Simon is my underrated. He's another transfer guy. Don't don't sleep on Josh Simon. Um, he's a guy that that I'm not joking. He can take the ball 80 yards on a screen and house it. He has a lot of speed, a lot of strength, and I think you're going to be really. It's going to be really fun to watch those two guys play, and it would not be shocking for me to see both of them go to the NFL after this season. Offensive line is is really tough for me because. It's just a question mark. So many guys that have kind of been, you know, lukewarm as Gamecocks. You know, we've had so many kinds of, you know, just instances where it didn't look like they were all on the same page. So I think that the best offensive lineman is Ja'Kai Moore. You're talking about um, a guy that's been in the trenches for a while. Um, he has the experience. He's probably overall the best the best offensive lineman on the team. And then under the radar, you know, Vershawn Lee is going to be my pick here. I think you're probably going to see him – you know, maybe play center this year, maybe flex out to guard or tackle. He's a guy that can play all five positions. Um, I think he I don't think he's the best tackle on the team, but he's just a, a really smart kid that's, you know, reshaped his body. And, you know, if you talk about potential right now, I think Marky Anderson's a guy that's gonna be a longtime starter for the Gamecocks, but he's a freshman. It's just really hard to to say a freshman is under the radar gonna be a starter. You just don't really see that that often in the SEC, but 
I think you will see Marky Anderson get some snaps this year, and we'll just see you know how quickly he can translate high school to college. Defensive line, Tonka Hemingway, he's my favorite player on the defensive line. I think that he's just so versatile with what he can do on the outside, the inside, rushing the passer. Um, he gets those long arms up and just a heck of an athlete. T.J. Sanders, a defensive tackle, is my under-the-radar guy for, for the defensive line. He's somebody that the, the coaching staff really likes. Um, he's a physical guy. He can he can take on double teams. He can he can get up the line. He can get to the quarterback. So watch out for T.J. Sanders. At linebacker, I think the best player, and it's really hard for me to say this right now, but it's probably going to be Mo Kaba. Um, he's coming off that ACL injury, and a lot of times you see those ACLs get stronger over time. So we'll see what Mo Kaba does. I think that you know linebacker is kind of a question mark too, just like offensive line. We'll see what happens. But clearly under the radar is Pup Howard. He's going to be a three or four year starter for the Gamecocks. He's going to he's going to be the captain of that defense, and he's going to be a captain of the team. So Pup Howard is going to make a difference this year. He's, he's already on the two deep. He might be a starter before it's all said and done. Um, defensive back, I've been watching a lot of the the highlights, but I've also I watched the full replay of the Tennessee game, the full replay of the Clemson game. Haven't got to Florida yet. I really don't want to watch the Florida game, but I've, I have to watch it. I have to watch all the games for you guys, even the tough ones. And and I'll watch Notre Dame. I'm just not ready to watch Notre Dame yet because that was such a high for me watching the Gamecocks kind of run run a muck on Notre Dame, only to have my heart broken, but. I'll watch those games, but Marcellus Dial really did um, stand out to me against Clemson and Tennessee. I think that he's going to be the next NFL cornerback from the Gamecocks. And Bakari Swan's a freshman. Um, he's a guy that's going to be—he's going to be a good player. There's a reason that Deion Sanders wanted him badly at Colorado. He's an electric player, played all over the field in high school, but he's that kind of guy that you just let Torian Gray mold, and and you see what happens. Um, at safety, obviously Nick Imamwari is our best safety. I think that Torian really wants to see him, you know, excel in coverage this year instead of just, you know, delivering, delivering, you know, obviously thunder, thunderous hits on ball carriers. He he led the team in tackles last year, I think. So he's a good, he's a really good player. I think he's only going to get better this year. And then at safety, Jalen Kilgore. Um, He's kind of an under-the-radar guy. I don't think he was a three-star in the recruiting rankings, but I've talked to enough people that tell me he is just a, he's just a dude. So be on the lookout for Jalen Kilgore. Um, kicker, it's Mitch Jeter. Punter, it's Kai, Koger. I, Kai Kroger. I didn't go too deep into kickers and punters to tell you who the most under-the-radar guy is. But, but yeah, th- that's, that's my take. Um, some other questions that I got here um, – Someone asked me what the biggest impact on, of Carolina Rise and other NIL groups are. What edge does Carolina Rise have in this department? I'm going to have an entire episode in the offseason dedicated to NIL, so I want to save this question to talk about it at a later time. I just don't think it's the right time to talk about it. I think that if you can if you can go ahead and, and get on Carolina Rise or Garnet Trust, it all helps the, the Gamecock student-athletes, but... I'll have a breakdown. I'll probably have JC on the show to to talk about what Carolina Rise and NIL groups do for for the Gamecocks, and I'm just not the subject matter expert on it, so I didn't want to tackle that one. Um, I just know it helps. And the other question I got here is, um, what's your prediction for the Gamecocks record this upcoming season? I, I don't want to do that yet. I, I'm I'm going to do a, a a prediction episode, you know, probably closer to the regular season start. I want to see what happens with. 
depth charts and you know potential injuries for opponents and just see you know what kind of shakes out but uh, i promise you guys that i will do a prediction episode before the start of the season and and i'll do some breakdowns on thursday nights ahead of football games this upcoming season to let you know not just my predictions for the gamecocks but i'll do predictions for other national games other sec games i'll look at the the point spread at the time give you my picks um you know just like with a financial advisor you know, past history is not a basis for future success. So, you know, if you want to gamble, you know, gamble with me, you know, make sure that you don't hold me accountable for any losses. But you can definitely tell me about the wins. I want to hear about your wins if we all win together. Um, but, you know, what's your prediction for the Gamecocks record this year? For folks that don't know, um, the Gamecocks open the season in Charlotte at North Carolina. Then they have Furman at home, followed by a trip to Georgia. Mississippi State follows Georgia at home. At Tennessee, then you have the bye week. Then you got Florida at home, at Missouri, at Texas A&M, Jacksonville State, Vandy, or not Connecticut, Texas A&M on the road, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt at home, Kentucky at home, and Clemson at home. So the Gamecocks are going to close out with four home games. Three of those four are extremely winnable. So we'll see what the Gamecocks do at the start of their season. All eyes are on the North Carolina game, and, and that will take precedence and you know, we'll talk about that game and all the other games at a later time. But I want to thank you guys for listening tonight. Um, as always, you can reach me at late night gamecock show at gmail.com. Again, that's late night gamecock show at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. I hope that you all have a great night and um, I will catch you all Thursday. Talk to you soon.